Friends, if you want to turn with me now to the Word of God, uh, this morning we continue our series in the book of Titus. Uh, large print Bible is 1272, and the small print Bible is 998. In the book of Titus, uh, calling this series 2020 Titus, it's a new decade, uh, a new year, and we want to consider what sort of church are we, what sort of church uh, do we want to be? There's a very encouraging letter in the Presbyterian Hell this morning uh, which says that we'll all be closed by 2030. Uh, maybe that's right. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I hope not. I hope the gospel is still being preached in this church long after uh, you and I have long gone. Uh, but as we think about that and pray about that and look forward to that, we will work our way through the book of Titus. Uh, Paul, in the opening verses, tells Titus what his letter's all about. He, he wants these Christians to grow up in the faith. Uh, we spent some time considering the role of the elder uh, and the importance of that role and how the elder is the one to ensure uh, that the teaching in the church remains sound. Last time out, we uh, reflected that as sound teaching and sound doctrine goes forward, it isn't just for the head, but it impacts us in every way and in our fellowships Older and, and younger men and women are, are to minister to one another and to encourage one another and to build one another up. And so today we finish chapter 2, uh, considering that the gospel has appeared, this good news, which isn't just for a mission and a field in the middle of the summer, uh, but the gospel is for every day, for this church, for as long as this place remains open. The gospel is for us. So Titus 2, verse 11 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, we'll read it through twice, because it's only a few verses, but this is the word of God. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one disregard you. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Amen. And we thank God today for his word. I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. But a few months ago in this very pulpit, I made a statement that if Brexit eventually happened, then life would go on. You would wake up, you would take the kids to school, you would have your porridge, you would have your morning walk with Fido down by the river, you would do exactly everything that you normally did and the world would continue on. Friends, that's exactly what happened, wasn't it? 
I suspect very few of you got up and stayed up really, really late flying your union flag. I know for some of us we would fly flag all year if we could. But probably you didn't stay up to midnight. Probably you didn't celebrate too much. Maybe you even went to bed. You put your wee hot water bottle in. Even you were all fancy with your electric blanket. And life went on. Brexit has happened. We woke up. And everything's still the same. Balna Hinch still has no bypass. Most of us still live life with our faces tripping us. Politicians still do our heads and we still wonder what they are for. And yet this monumental thing has happened. This thing that will be the best thing ever, according to some, or the worst thing ever, according to everybody else. It's finally happened and nothing has really changed. Here we are on Sunday morning. The word has been read. We have prayed. We have sung. I am now in the process of preaching. If you didn't get your polo mints out, Muriel, now is the time to do it. Woodburn has started. The plane is in the air. Everything continues on the way it always has. And yet today, as we gather, our hope and our focus as men and women of faith at the beginning of 2020 is not for Brexit and whatever it brings, good or bad. Our hope today is, of course, in Christ. See, for you and I, regardless of the events of the past few days, something extraordinary has happened. Something incredible has made dramatic change to each and every one of us in this church building today. And it is outlined in a very simple yet wonderful way by Paul as he writes to young Titus. He says in verse 11 of chapter 2, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God has appeared, says Paul. The grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ has appeared. The gospel has come. Jesus Christ has taken on flesh. He has died a sinner's death. He has been raised from the dead. The grace of God has appeared, says the apostle, and it has brought salvation for all people. See, so much of the debate around Brexit was was being set free. We want to be loosed from the shackles of the European Union. And many others were saying, no, 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 we're we're happy enough in the European Union. It's all good. We, We don't want to go free. We want to stay where we are. Again, it's open for debate, whether it's a good or a bad thing. But for you and me, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to trusting in him, then indeed Jesus is the one, as we began this service in Isaiah 61, whom the Spirit of the Lord God was upon. Because the Lord has anointed me, says Jesus, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Here is true liberty. Here is true freedom. Christ has actually come. Christ has actually taken on flesh. Christ has actually completed the work of the gospel. The grace of God has appeared and salvation has actually been brought to all people. And today, for those of us who are in Christ, then our chains are gone. We have been forgiven. We have been set free. We have been loosed from our prison. This is the truth of the gospel. It is a a far more significant event than any that has happened in the past few years. And indeed, dare I say it, it is far more a significant event than anything that has ever happened. It's no wonder that we all look to Christ, whether we like it or not, as even our years 
point us to we are either before Christ or after Christ, but we're all looking back to Christ and that monumental event 2,000 years ago where the Son of God took on flesh, where the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation for all. Here is the light in which we worship today. And in 10 years' time, there may be another big vote. There might be another 10 big votes, one a year for the next 10 years. In 10 years' time, we might be saying, I wonder if Stormont will ever come back. It collapsed again in 2021. Do you remember that? 10 years' time will bring changes. There is no doubt about that. But if we are still here in 10 years' time, the gospel will still be as real and as relevant as it has always been. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all. Paul puts it this way as he writes to the Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. When the fullness of time had come, says Paul, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, there's the significant event. There's the dramatic history-turning event that has trumped everything else. Christ has come. Christ has died for us. He has redeemed us who were under the law so that we might be saved. And more than that, this beautiful, wonderful word in Galatians 4 and verse 5, that we might receive adoption as sons. That we might receive adoption as sons. If you've read anything around the whole Brexit debate, then you will know that many will say, oh, we're an incredibly divided nation now. Brexit has exposed all these fault lines and we're all standing against one another now. That's not the case when it comes to the gospel. As we read in John's gospel, Christ comes and he did not get the receiving that he wanted from his own people, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. As Paul puts it, adopted into his family. And so the gospel of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all. And for all who will believe, it is better than just getting out of hell, as we surely do. We're adopted into the family of God. There's nothing better than that. There's absolutely nothing better than that. Nothing more significant in human history than this. That the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all. Friends, I hope we are a church that for as long as our doors are open, we love the gospel. I hope that that you are are men and women, that whoever is in this pulpit, there is a, a demand placed upon the individual up here that he preaches the gospel. I hope you always desire that. I hope you always want that. More and more, you... You hear that it's to be toned down more and more. We, we don't want much of that anymore. That doesn't get the job done anymore. That's not what we're about anymore. But may we be a congregation that is committed for as long as we are here. Show us Jesus. Let us hear the good story. Let us hear the wonderful news about Christ. Let us marvel again at the gospel and its significance. Let us tremble before God as, as we realize that he gave his own son for our sake. Tell us that old story. Show us it again. Let us hear what God has done. May the gospel always be preached in Eden Grove. May this pulpit up here always be one that is known as a gospel preaching pulpit in this denomination of ours and indeed in this land. 
And that doesn't just rest upon the minister up here, it rests upon the hearers. See, if the minister stops preaching it, would you dare to ask him why? If the minister stopped preaching it, would you dare to challenge the elders why we no longer hear about the blood of Christ that cleanses from every spot and stain? Friends, demand the gospel. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, demand the gospel. Have a hunger and a thirst for this good news. Never tire of hearing its beauty and its significance. Hunger after the gospel. And always demand that that is what marks this church. See, some, as I say that, might be immediately thinking, well, Scott, we're saved. And that's the purpose of the gospel, isn't it? We, we're saved. We're, we're not going to hell anymore. I believe that the mission back in 1984, we're saved. So, so the gospel's done its work. Now we need something else. Now we need the, the minister to, to tell us some new stuff because we're saved. The gospel's reached its limit, its purpose, hasn't it? Well, not according to Paul writing to Titus. He says that the the grace of God has appeared, the gospel has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And in verse 12, he shows us the purpose of the gospel in the believer's life. This is why the believer should never tire of of hearing this wonderful story. Paul says to Titus that, that the grace of God, this gospel has appeared. And in verse 12, it is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Again, it is, as I said last week, this verse is not the gospel. The good news does not say, live good and upright and godly lives, and maybe you will be saved. That's not the gospel. The gospel says that Christ died for sinners, and all who believe in him will be saved. There's the good news and our response to it. This is what comes next. We are saved, and now we are being sanctified. It is as Dave was talking to the wee ones. We are saved, and now we are being sanctified. And this gospel, as it is poured into our lives, well, it, it trains us up to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. The other week, I was at Spa Primary School, uh, and I was thinking about what I would speak to them about. It was sort of early in the new year. I do a monthly assembly there, and so I had this idea, and I thought, right, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll let on that I'm, I'm going to do a thousand push-ups every single day, and I'm going to show them how easy it is. And I got them counting along, and I said, they count quickly because I move quickly. So count one, two, three, four, five, six. And of course, I never move anywhere as fast as that, and I certainly can't do a thousand push-ups, and I certainly can't do them at that speed. That was a whole big thing I was doing with them. But what I didn't tell the kids is as I got down and I was letting on uh, to do the push-ups, I actually hurt my side. So I'm lying there pretending I can't do these, but secretly in my head I'm thinking, I don't think I can get up. <laughs> How am I going to play this one? You Egypt, 40-year-old clampet. That's life, isn't it? Our big plans, our big dreams, and, and maybe you like me, this was going to be the year, a thousand push-ups a day. By the time 2030 comes, you'll be running the Belfast Marathon. Probably not. It's the 2nd of February. And Brexit hasn't changed everything, and I suspect that your New Year's resolutions haven't changed everything, but the gospel has changed everything. It's changed who we are. 
As again, Dave said, we are justified. We are declared righteous by the living God. He has declared us to be right in his sight. And out of that justification flows our sanctification. We are being grown up as the Spirit works in us every single day. Whether we are doing our thousand push-ups or not, he is transforming us into the image of Christ, our elder brother. Here's the impact of the gospel. And here is what we should want and desire for ourselves Sunday after Sunday, week after week. We come into a church and we hear the gospel and we think, oh, that's not for me. I'm already saved. I don't need to hear that. Absolutely not. You do. You need to be reminded about what you once were. And now in Christ, you need to be reminded constantly about who you are. Adopted into the family of God, child of God is your status. That is who you are through faith in Jesus. And so as we hear this on a weekly basis, the gospel trains us up. It trains us up to renounce the things that are surrounding us in this ever-increasingly darkening world. To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. To be self-controlled in our lives. To live upright and godly lives. Not so that we will be saved, but because we have been saved. We respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in this way. And the need for it was important in Titus's day. He was in the island of Crete. And you will know the famous verse in chapter 1, verse 12. As Paul writes, one of the Christians, a prophet of their own, said... Cretans are always liars. They are evil beasts. They are lazy gluttons. This was the world in which Titus and these believers were living in. And so this is the world that Paul says, embrace the gospel. Hear it all the time. Allow it to to drip constantly into your life because the gospel will produce this godliness in you. As the word is preached, as the spirit works, as you come to the sacraments that God has given us to grow us up, then the gospel will train us to renounce ungodliness and and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And those lives will be in direct contrast to the world around us. The world around us that more and more celebrates the things that, that God has declared to be sinful. The world around us that more and more says, you Christians need to get with the program or, or, or you're going to be pushed aside in history as we march on without you. How do we respond in such an age? Not with despair, but with the gospel. The grace of God has appeared. It has brought salvation for all people and it, and it trains us up in righteousness. It trains us up every single day as the Spirit does His work in us and sanctification. But the gospel also trains us to wait, to wait patiently. As Paul writes in verse 13, we are waiting for our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? It's not Brexit. It's not a United Ireland. It's not Ulster remaining British forever. It's not William on the throne because he'll fix everything. It's none of those things. Our blessed hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's our blessed hope. In 2020, in 2021, in 2022, if I could count beyond that, I would, but you get the picture. All the way from here to the end of our days, our blessed hope is nothing in this world, but instead it is the appearing again of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus. 
The gospel has appeared, says Paul. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all who will believe. But the grace of God will appear again. And this time it will not be to suffer and die, but it will be in power and glory and judgment. There is our hope. And I cannot say to you that this church for sure will be here in 2030. I don't know that for a multitude of reasons. We, we might have to close the doors for some reason. Who knows? But equally, we may, none of us, see 2030. Christ is coming. And I know that sounds like one of those things that Christians have to say. But I hope more and more it's one of those things that Christians like you and me will actually believe. Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Allow that to percolate in your little heads for a second. Think on that for a moment. How does that put everything else into perspective? Christ is coming. One day, soon, Christ is coming. He will appear again. Christ is coming. He is our blessed hope. Christ is coming. And how do we spend our lives in the here and now? Often we, we fight and argue and divide over things that will not have any eternal significance. How do we spend our lives in the here and now, putting effort and time into things in this world which cannot stand and, and have no eternal significance? But brothers and sisters, for the next decade, I pray we will be a gospel-loving, preaching, proclaiming, and listening to church. And as we do that, and as the gospel does its work in our lives, growing us up in the faith, may it produce in us a steadfastness and a hope for home that is greater than the hope that we have got for today. See, I don't know what way Brexit will go. The next time I'm going to Ikea over in Glasgow, I'm half expecting the ferry to, to go straight into that big wall that has apparently been built now in the Irish Sea. That's life, isn't it? Uncertain. Political decisions come and go. Things change every single day, even for you and me. We won't be the men and women that we are now in 10 years' time. There's just no way that we can hold on to our youthful good looks and figure. I'm speaking about myself here. We can't do it. This life is fleeting. 100%. It will come and it will go. There will be funerals in the next 10 years for us. There will be funerals in your family. There may be a funeral for you. So where is our hope? It's never been here. It's never been Balnarish. It's never been the easy, quiet life. It's, it's never been that everything will go well. We're not guaranteed any of this. Our hope is that Christ is coming again. There's our hope. There's our hope. And that when he comes, he will usher in the hope that we have been waiting for for all our days. When Christ comes, it's, it's not going to be the way it is now. When Christ comes, you will never have to vote ever again. When Christ comes, you're not going to have to go and see your granny at the hospital. When Christ comes, you're never going to have to get more bad news. When Christ comes, you're never going to fall out with your brother and not speak to him for 20 years because you don't see eye to eye. When Christ comes, everything is going to be radically different and transformed. This is our blessed hope. Jesus is coming. And he may be here before 2030 
is in the history books. And he may be here before we climb into our beds today. Whenever he comes, we are ready. And Christ is coming. Christ is coming. This is our blessed hope that cannot be shaken. Here, my brothers and sisters, is is what the gospel does in our lives. It is not just, oh, I'm saved. Thank you. Yep. Change the subject. Every time we hear this grand old story, it whispers to us, this is for you. This is for you. Christ died for you. And as if to remind us that, Paul tells us in verse 14, it was this same God and Savior Jesus Christ who is coming, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Here is the purpose of the Lord. Here is the purpose of the gospel, this good news, that the Lamb of God came to redeem us from all lawlessness, to to buy us out of the pit, to, to bring us to salvation, to land us safe on his side, to purify for himself a people for his own possession. How insignificant do you feel in this world? How many times do you feel nobody listens to me? Nobody cares what I think or what I say. If I slip through the cracks, no one would notice. Jesus says in his word that his purpose to come in this glorious gospel which grows us up in the faith, the heart of that was to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That's you, my friends. That's you and that's me. And today we may not like the way things are going politically and we may not want to think about where our nation will be in 10 years' time, but none of those things compare to the wonderful truth that Christ has come, he has laid down his life for you and for me, we have received it by faith, we are saved, we are being grown up by that gospel and our names, your name and my name, insignificant in the here and now perhaps, but our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let that sink in. Do you remember your old granny used to tell you about that? Maybe she had something on the wall about it? About our names written in the Lamb's book of life? But friends, today if you believe this gospel, it is having a dramatic purpose and significance and impact in your life. Not just when you were saved and declared righteous, but in the here and now. As the Lord justifies or sanctifies you and grows you up in the faith. And also in the future when Christ comes and you will stand in the judgment. This is what has been won for us by this good news. Friends, what news it is. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Maybe it's because I can't do a push-up anymore without hurting that side of mine. Got that injury in Nam, Sydney Nam, Nice Belfast, 1994. But the more I hang about and the more I do this, the more I realize that this is what is the most important thing in my life and I hope in yours and certainly in our wee church. It's no wonder that Paul says in verse 15 to Titus, declare these things. Exhort. In other words, listen to me. Rebuke at times, 
wagged the finger at times, Titus, with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This isn't me saying, verse 15, you've got to listen to me and I'm the boss of the bakery. I'm certainly not. We all know it's Alison Robinson. That's not it at all. Paul says, Titus, preach these things. Proclaim them and, and never get tired of saying these same wonderful truths. They are good for you, Titus, and they are good for your hearers. Because the gospel is from of old, from ancient of days, but it has not lost any of its luster, not lost any of its power, and it is still the power of God to the salvation of all who will believe. Friends, for you and for me, those of us in faith, and amen to that. And our prayer is simply that the gospel would do this work in us and in our church over this next decade. But today, my friends, as well, for our number here, and we are thankful for you who come week after week after week and sit and listen, but you've never made up your mind about Jesus. Then what are you waiting for? Why are you hedging your bets about this? Why are you wondering and, and counting and, and crossing your fingers and maybe waiting for something better to come down the road? It's not going to come. This good news, this gospel, is as good and as wonderful as we will ever hear. Christ died for sinners, was raised for their justification. And today, for any sinner, anyone outside of Jesus who calls upon him, they will be saved and they will be adopted into the family of God. Don't you dare tell me Brexit's as good as that. Don't you dare let on that King Billy was more important than that. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved.